podcast. Hi, everybody. Amanda Vining here, and you are tuning into Guest Speaker Series. This podcast is going to be a raw, unfiltered interview with a senior leader in the flight center world or in our client set or in our vendors and partners. There's so many incredible lessons that I've had the opportunity to learn from this group of individuals, and I'm so excited that they're willing to share them with this greater audience. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce today's guest speaker, the one and only global corporate CMO, Fritz Dekoff. Fritz has had an incredible career as a true marketeer making impacts on brands and businesses in different countries and companies all over the world. Today, he allows us to go into his innovative and prolific mind and share some of those lessons with you all in an extremely vulnerable and authentic environment. So Fritz, thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing the series. I'm sure all of our people are going to be absolutely thrilled to hear from you as our global chief marketing officer. Happy to be here, Amanda. Happy to be here. I'm so glad. I actually thought of you because when I did my Friday series, I talk about how I ended up drinking too much for no reason on a Sunday because I found a bottle of Whispering Angel Rosé in my lake house. And I thought I would love to be sharing a bottle of Whispering Angel Rosé with you right now rather than doing this virtually. Aren't we just missing people at the moment? I am so missing people. It's yes. incredible. Uh, yeah, no, anybody that knows me knows I love a bottle of rosé. In fact, Friday afternoons in the Rosewood on Chancery Lane. For those who don't know, I live in London, so I'm in London. And actually, I have to be totally honest with you. You know, what I have in my hand, it is about four o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. I have a glass of rosé in my hand. Yes, I I can absolutely solidify that for everyone listening. He certainly does and has just taken a nice sip. So for me, it is not four o'clock. I think it'd probably be a bit aggressive if um, about 11 I started drinking. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll try to refrain. It is Friday though. You actually just quickly said something around the UK. So I thought, well, you know, why don't we get, let's get started with something light today. So let me ask you the most basic question that any American can ask to someone living in London. General thoughts on Megxit. So obviously Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, she claimed she had to get away from the paparazzi for her health and safety. They're now living in Los Angeles, also known as, you know, the Mecca of paparazzi. Thoughts on that? Oh, not that many other than, um, well, I have to say they haven't done themselves any favors. And if, um, you know, I'm a bit of a marketeer, as you know, so I think they probably have done some damage to their personal brand. But other yeah. than, you know, I think that's about the limit of my knowledge on, on uh, Megan and Harry. Yeah, I, I just love following it. I don't know why, but I just find myself so like intrigued by everything that they're doing and just that that moves so quickly. What, what interests you about the, them? Just the whole thing. I just think that, you know, to get him to be willing to make such a pivot from the life he had grown up in and, you know, if it really is for the health and safety of the child, but to go from getting a prince to being able to not only accept the divorce and everything else as a woman, but also then be like, kind of hustling her out to producers to be in Disney movies and then move to LA. It's just like, she's got either some serious skills or, <laughs> or it's kind of. It's either mind. love or lust. Love yes. or it's one of those two. Yes, for sure. So I'm thinking about them. We're going to go through all sorts of great stuff and you absolutely are a marketeer and you, 
I know are such an incredible person in this field that will be able to teach more to all of our internal people listening, external people listening who are thinking about marketing. But before we do that, why don't we just talk for a moment about the transition for you? I, I know I talked a little bit about this on my last one with Charlene, but this kind of isolated life we talked about. I know you're used to being on the road. We see each other all over the world. How are you holding up with all this? Um, yeah, look, you know, I mean, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I have to say the last six weeks, um, you know, a lot of companies are going through a lot of transitions and there is um, so much stuff going on. So learning to live by Zoom is the new, I'm so fed up by living uh, by Zoom. So I'm desperately waiting to be able to get uh, into the office and get on a plane. Um, it's like all of us. It's a period of adjustment, um, a period of just getting on with it. Um, so yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. It, what do you think of that? It's, it's so interesting you just said that because a lot of people will say, do you think that you know our business travel in general is not going to rebound because people are just going to use Zoom? And I get asked that question a lot. And just like you said, I am so fatigued by Zoom and I cannot wait to see people in person again. How do you feel about, or do you, how do you answer that question when people bring that up to you? Look, I think um, you know memories are short. Um, we're obviously going through a lot of pain. In the end, people won't give up their summer holidays. Um, there are supply chains that need sorting out. There are um, people have offices around the world. Um, they have clients that are international. I think in the end, uh, things will return to, to normal, um, whatever normal is. Um, I think that, that the question is, how long will it take? You know, yeah. but we will get back to normal. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, that's good to hear. So kind of getting right into the topics at hand then and just some of the, the lessons that you can leave with our people. Your career here at Flight Center specifically has been about three and a half years, as I understand. But what an incredible impact you've made in those years. So obviously winning a director's award at the last global, you've done almost what feels like the unthinkable, which is getting all of the senior leaders around the world to align and see those visions and make huge strides, whether it's a rebrand, launching new tech and beyond. So just thinking about your marketing career in general and you know this chapter for you at Flight Center, just wanting to understand kind of a little bit more about your story, how you got here and really what this chapter means to you no, yeah no um thank you for asking that question because it's uh it's it means a lot actually to be here at flight center three and a half years it's gone incredibly fast and i'm 51 this year so i don't see myself working till uh, 60 i can say safely say that I, i've been very lucky um my career has been a bit of a textbook um so i've always known that um i um, that I loved marketing. Um, I did business and finance um, at college. I then uh, studied the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Um, and then I looked at salaries in, uh, in marketing in those days and decided that uh, I wouldn't start there and I'd go into sales. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> you know, you make more money in sales. In those days, you got a company car. So, you know, um, it, it was a no-brainer. What a foundation, actually, um, starting in sales uh, has given you, because what you ultimately start with is the understanding of the customer, being at the call face, understanding their needs, understanding uh, the rejections you get when you're presenting a product if it isn't good. That Those foundations of being in sales and then applying them later in my career in marketing are, are never forgotten. 
Um, then I got my first job in marketing. I was a product marketing manager in, um, uh, in pharma, in pharmaceutical for a very large American pharmaceutical company. And I was part of the team that uh, brought a blockbuster, that's a product over a billion uh, dollars to market, uh, claim to fame, um, and then moved um, into the buyer side. So I've never really, most majority of my career, definitely um, nothing to do with, with uh, the travel industry. It was 10 years there, launched um, within the hospital dental segment um, uh, in the UK, in Holland, and became market leader within that period. I'm very proud of that time. Uh, got promoted to uh, CEO of a company. So I went into, uh, from marketing into being a CEO of a company uh, for six okay, years. Wow. Was the toughest time of my life. So really? I a lot of respect uh, for people like yourself, you know, heading an organization with all that uh, kind of people side, finance side, you know, all those multiple pressures in the end, always having to worry about uh, the bottom line, uh, the top line, you know, all the kind of areas. So after six years, I left that, became a consultant, um, a lot of business development around the world, a lot of change management pieces, um, really enjoyed doing those kind of broader project-based work. And then one day I had uh, a telephone call from one of my best friends. Um, at the time worked for um, a travel management company uh, called Chambers in the UK. Yeah. And uh, he said, look, I want to get my business ready for sale. Um, can you help me rebrand, repackage my, my business? Um, and I said, yeah, I'd love to. i uh, love to be back in the heart of doing some marketing. Um, and that led to a six-month project of a rebrand. But then I took on their um, events business. And then I started doing their European operations, expanding that um, uh, the partner network at the time. They were sold to CTM as a, as a company. Um, and then one day I got a text message uh, via LinkedIn, the power okay. of LinkedIn, saying, hi, my name is Steve Norris. Um, I run uh, EMEA uh, corporate business, uh, would love to chat. And uh, three and a half years later, here we are. Um, Amazing. I didn't realize it was yeah. Steve that originally reached out. Good on Steve. Yeah. So, but from, from, from my perspective, you know, I, I really do feel that I found a home at Flight Center. Almost the minute I got there, I love the culture, the people stand out, you know, from a pharmaceutical kind of world where I resonate, you know, where I come from. It's very structured. It's all about planning. It's, it's a very different world to, to you know, an industry like, like travel. It's very young. It's very dynamic. It's fast moving. And then, you know, to have a story uh, like the bus and all the philosophies that go with it. Well, it was a perfect fit for me. I love it very much. Yeah, I agree. I think it feels like such a perfect fit. You know, from the moment I met you, I was um, so impressed by everything that you brought to the table and it just did feel like such a natural fit, like, like you had kind of been here all along. As far as a lot of what you just unpacked there, so if I can try to unpack that for a second. So business and finance background, sales, have been a CEO, done big pharma, come into travel. I think a lot of our people, given the uncertainty of today's landscape, right? There's so much going on in the world. They're having that kind of inclination in their soul of what should I do next? Should I make a pivot? Maybe many have thought about that internally in our culture to like a different brand or even in just a different uh, pillar. 
you know, whether they're doing relationship management with clients or operations or sales, what do you have to say perhaps in this being that, you know, potentially last chapter in your career and, and looking towards, you know, a retirement before 60 that you would say is that like gut feel or when you knew to make those different pivots for yourself throughout the career path that you just articulated? Uh, you know, I don't think I ever said to myself, um, I need to change. You know, I don't think I've ever sat there also um, waking up in the morning and saying, I hate my job. Never been unfortunate because I know a lot of people uh, in careers that may not be their perfect fit. I never had that, that mm-hmm. problem. So, you know, in life, we all get opportunities. They come in different ways. They come direct. They come sideways. In the end, it is uh, taking the, the, those opportunities and going with them um, and ha- being brave enough just to, just to take them when they, when, when they arrived. I definitely, you know, in, through my career, made industry changes, made country decisions to move countries. And, you know, at the end of the day, I went with it. And, and I could highly recommend everybody giving things a go. Standing still, um, you know, doesn't move. Um, move careers. Yeah. Okay. I love that. So part of it is, I think it's interesting that you say that because that positivity and enjoying what you do and trying to enjoy it as much as you can, I think is important and it resonated in all of these speaker series so far, um, but also not being afraid to to make the leap when that opportunity does come a knock in. One of the things I wanted to talk about, I, I guess, is just thinking about marketing in general. So kind of starting off there. So your background makes sense as to why marketing also makes sense because it's such a multidimensional field, right? You know, you have the ability to increase profits for an organization. You have the ability to be creative. You have the ability to be innovative, prolific. It's all of that incredible work at the same time. What advice would you have for our people that are listening and they're thinking, oh, I may want to be a marketer one day or get into the field? Yeah, no, interesting question. I I think my Marketing um, as a word um, underpins so many different disciplines, Um, you know, whether or not it's offline, online, uh, or even with that, within each of those, you could be a brand marketer, you can be, um, you know, specialism in in events or project uh, product management, um, so many different uh, functions. So um, people often say it is incredibly difficult to get into um, as a career choice, and um, because obviously uh, a lot of the jobs are posted, you need three or four, you know, three to five years experience um, to, to to even get into it. I I think the discipline of marketing is um, growing very fast. The relevance and importance to companies is growing. Uh, there are a huge amount of opportunities in our industry, uh, but a- across everywhere where marketing has n- like never be- been before is at the forefront of um, company decisions. Um, and I think it's um, definitely not a nine to five career. So if that is, is, uh, is for you, then don't go into marketing. But it is one of the most rewarding, um, you know, I've never seen anybody leave marketing, you know, anyway, not, not working for me anyway. So, um, you know, you join marketing, it's a life career. Uh, and uh, a lot of people have, you know, unique passion. And if you want to get into um, marketing, give me a call, send me an email. And, uh, um, you know, if you have the passion and you really fancy that kind of career change, knock on my door. If you don't succeed, keep trying. You know, um, there are a huge amount of opportunities. 
love talent. Yeah, I love that. And love the notion that a lot of people, once they go into that field, certainly do stick within it. I think that's very true. It's a career that people are extremely, extremely passionate about. So you touched on a few things there. So obviously there's so many different theories with marketing and there's so many different facets you could focus on, whether it's theory marketing or you're focused on digital or specific careers. Is there a certain um, type of strategy that you've always taken with you or that you lean with in your approach? Oh, I, you know, I actually think that's a huge question. Um, so I think joining a company, you join a company at a different stage of their mar- marketing cycle. Um, so, you know, marketing is very much a journey, never an end game. Uh, for me, the first and fundamental uh, strategy is always put the customer at the heart of anything that you do. Go back to the basics um, of understanding uh, customer needs. Um, the challenge, though, in, in, uh, for TMCs is, and for marketeers working in, in corporate uh, travel is that um, we have to balance the short-term tactical marketing against long-term brand equity. So short-term tactical marketing is, is all about the here and now. Um, the long-term brand equity is about positioning. It's about long-term brand equity. Um, the, the things that people, the customers say in the room, like brand awareness, you know, what, what do we say about um, this particular company when, when we're not in the room? You know, that is where the true value of marketing is. And companies view marketing very differently. You know, I think um, it would be fair to say that I've worked for organizations not in a marketing role that view sales um, and marketing as sales support. The, the type of organization that organizes an event, gets me a brochure, organizes my PowerPoint, are the sales support function. Others, um, even further down the chain, are the kind of companies that um, are the pretty picture department, not the tactical. So, you know, TMCs operate incredibly, on incredibly low margins compared with some of the other industries. Back in my farmer day, I wouldn't get out of bed as a marketeer without a gross margin of 65 to 70%. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, sounds heavenly compared to, to this industry, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, so with that small amount of margin that we make in, in corporate travel, you know, you are often um, very quickly aimed at um, the tactical marketing because tactical marketing uh, often in today's world is about inquiry. It is about lead generation, being able to feed that sales funnel um, in the next three, one, uh, three months. It's also, there has the amazing ability to demonstrate very quick return on investment. Um, you know, you put a pound in, you generate a lead, you uh, turn that into a customer, you can see that return on investment. Whereas long-term strategic marketing uh, and brand building and putting the customer at the heart of it is much more expensive because the, the end game is much longer. So I, I always think um, that we are in our journey at, uh, let's say, at Flight Center is really around three core strategies. Um, so, you know, I think of um, the acquisition strategy, I think of the uh, retention strategy and the growth strategy. So um, acquisition is obviously lead gen and being able to um, get new customers. Our retention strategy is about how you know we make customers more sticky, how we delight them, and how we can interact with them. And lastly, how we grow our current customers. Marketing can play a role in each one of them, 
And that a lot of that ability has come around through digital transformation in introducing strong MarTech into, uh, into Flight Center and, and really leveraging that ability to, um, to those three um, type of areas. As CMO, um, I see myself as uh, really focusing on creating customer-based brand equity. So I mean by that uh, awareness, our reputation, and long-term shareholder value. That's really where I see it. So putting the heart in everything we do. So uh, understanding from a brand perspective of what, uh, having a clear and strong identity, knowing what we do, uh, knowing what we're good at, and very much knowing what we are not good at. So too many companies um, spend their time, for example, trying to do everything, trying to be everything to everyone. And ultimately, they are confused and they disappoint. So um, we've spent a lot of time, and you've been part of it as well, um, thinking about our DNA, what makes our company tick, and then um, spending time coming up with a big idea. What, what do we stand for? Who do we want to be? And then uh, building brand, uh, our brand identity, our visual identity, our key messaging, uh, our tone of voice, all those kind of things. Um, and, you know, ultimately um, delivering as a true marketing department, it's really understanding those unmet needs and those pain points through research um, to be able to deliver world-class brands. That is ultimately the key reason why we do it all. I love that you talked a lot about the customer there because the customer is certainly at the heart of everything that we do across our brands and businesses. But given the landscape that we're in, I, I think we really need to be super mindful of winning back every single client that we have that have taken a real break from travel perhaps for the first time. So I think that that strategy is extremely logical and one that's really important as we continue to catapult into our future. Thinking a little bit around your approach. And it's been lovely getting to know you over the last few years, and especially with some of the alignment that various brands are making globally with, you know, our messaging and what we want to get across and the look and the feel and the DNA that you talked about. I, I did touch on at the beginning that you've kind of done the unthinkable, which is get alignment from everyone around the world to row in the same direction and go and do the same type of motions or movements or our, our USPs, what our brands look and feel like etc. How can you talk a little bit about your strategy? Because you're really, really good at this, getting us all on the same page that are strong personality types that usually do not always get on the same page. How do you do it? What can you share for people that are struggling with that? My secret source of my success. You want me to share my secret source of my success? Kind of, <laughs> yes. I want you to give that you know, secret sauce of how do you get all of us to agree? <laughs> they usually can't even make a decision on like what kind of A we're using in a logo, but somehow you've gotten us to completely rebrand. How, how do you do that? Uh, you know, I think, um, I, th I think large organizations, whether or not it's Flight Center or any other organization, often the larger they are, the, the, the more they struggle getting onto the same page. You know, as you said, different regions, um, uh, different ideas, strong people with strong opinions, uh, getting them all on the same page is difficult at the best of times. So, you know, I, I think the best advice that I can always uh, hand out is to to think very much like a salesperson, you know, first and foremost, you know, create a story in your mind um, and uh, do your homework. So don't present anything until you are ready 
and that you really challenge yourself in the thinking uh, of what you're about to, um, to present. Um, and then uh, create that winning story, always th uh, either through a PowerPoint or in your mind when you need to deliver that story. And then the interesting part is never present that into a room full of <laughs> Yeah, this is what I love that you do. <laughs> you know, I call it divide and conquer. Yeah. So, I, and, and the start of my roadshow. So whenever I've got a big, big, big plan and a big idea and I want to get people's buy-in, um, I start my roadshow. You'll get a call from me saying, can I spend some time with you? And then individually go around the whole room um, uh, on separate Zoom times, take the time, understand the problems, get full alignment. So when we do enter that boardroom, um, the decision is already made. And I think that's, um, that's how I, I, I've managed to, to achieve some of that. It's really interesting because that's one of the things that I've learned from you and working with you more closely is it feels like it's taking a little bit more time, but the truth is it isn't because it's eliminating that whole inevitable then additional argument or people around the table or going through it or having to redo it over and over by taking that extra care and concern up front to get the alignment and the buy-in prior to the meeting. So I love that. I feel like a lot of us are stealing the divide and conquer. I'm sure uh, I remember a number of occasions, Amanda, that you've been uh, part of that uh, rehearsed uh, phone call to say <laughs> something to you. Yeah, well, you make it easy. You, you come up with some great ideas that are easy to agree with. Um, I was actually thinking kind of funny for a second here, like switching gears for a second. So Charlene, I don't know if you listened to her last one that we did, but we I talked did. about first impressions. And obviously my first impression with her would have been like 13 or 14 years ago. I like to think that I've made some progress in that decade in between. So our first impression would have only been like three or three and a half years ago. Can you, um, she described me as a street fighter, which is uh, oh. interesting. So um, I'm just wondering, you know, self-awareness is important. Has there been progress? Like what was your first impression of me? So the first impression, um, was it in Barcelona for, on the Atlantic crossing the first time we met? I think so. That sounds right to me. That, that's when I really remembered you. And the first thing I remembered is, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to build you up or anything, in there, but you <laughs> really notice you walking in. There, there aren't many people with as big a presence when they walk into the room than Amanda Vine. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Fritz. Coming from you, that means a lot. No, but it's a genuine, it's genuine. You know, talking about having presence in the room, you definitely have it. And then I met you. And then I realized how formidable and relentless you are. <laughs> yes. Formidable, relentless, but real, genuine, in the room. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate that. And I definitely can be relentless. I appreciate you bearing with me in some of my crazy um, concepts or ideas when I really want to get them across. And, and you at least will hear me out and guide me to the right direction. So I sincerely appreciate that. You know, one of my favorite memories now that we've kind of gotten to know each other more and spend some time with all the work that we're doing, um, not only with Rebrand, but launching new tech and obviously sat on, we've sat on a few global teams together talking about those things. I, my favorite memory though is drinking wine in a hot tub. You know, everybody else kind of went out for the night and uh, myself, you and Trevor ended up going back to the uh, place we were staying and had some wine and we shared just memories and stories as our eyelashes froze and just had a lovely night how the heck are we going to beat that i need something to look forward to in getting off quarantine and I, I, amanda i can't 
agree with you more. I'm so desperate. And I do remember that very fondly. You know, minus me sitting in a hot tub. We were drunk. We were definitely definitely drunk. drunk. Everyone was like, you guys are still out here? (laughs) When they came back. Drinking my wine as we were drinking it was freezing. Yes. You know, this is the only ice that never never got lost. At the moment, how are we going to do it? I don't know. At the moment, I'll go to an opening of an M. That is how desperate I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. And I just need that dinner, you know, that kind of dinner with that or lunch that goes on for three or four hours, sitting there with bottles of wine, people laughing and chatting. That is what I'm so missing. You know, actually this week, um, I was supposed to be in Rio. You know, we got the yes. the, the partner conference. You know, can't, can't believe it. And um, there would have been lots of alcohol and lots of people interaction. So I can't wait. You come up with an idea, I will be there. And- yes, I know. Okay, I will work on that then because I am so itching to travel too. I've ne- I've, I don't think in my adult life I've ever been home for this a period of time. And it's like, of course, you love your family and appreciate that time too. But um, I just am so ready to get on an airplane. So yeah. I completely can agree. It's funny, the Rio one too. We were doing this ripped for Rio challenge um, the US team was and I had been doing so good with it and like lost 20 pounds and all this and then now this quarantine has like brought me half the way back and I'm like I would so much rather be in a bathing suit crashing the FCM conference for no reason in Rio yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah, it's all good. Okay. Well, thinking a little bit about um, your career overall, right? So you've done all these incredible things. You have this laundry list of accomplishments. I heard there when you talked about farmer for a minute, you were saying that that was something that you fondly look back on as well. What do you think you look back at most and say, wow, I am so proud of that. I can't believe I got to be part of that. What a milestone moment in my career. What are some of those moments you can share with us? Oh, so, you know, I mean, that- I, I like to think that, um, uh, yeah, good question. Um, look, you know, I, I actually think very much about the moment. I love um, uh, a lot about working with uh, young people, building teams. Um, I've seen, you know, in marketing is a wonderful thing because you can really see the, um, the work of your labors. So, you know, you do a campaign, you see the results. You do a brochure and salespeople are walking with them. You know, um, it's an exhibition. It's very visual. Um, I'm a very visual person. So every year, um, I, I really love everything that, that we do. So, you know, I don't, I don't think I have a single moment. I just think I'm very lucky. Yeah, that makes sense. You touched on there for a second, working with some of the younger people or the people that are coming up. And that's one of the things I really love most about you. You said it a few minutes ago. If anyone wants to think about it, write me an email. You know, you're not afraid to encourage the open dialogue. And you've really been phenomenal mentoring some of our other um, younger marketers that are coming up. How would you talk about that mentorship and what being a mentor means to you, or maybe even encourage other senior leaders to do more mentorship? Um, it's, it's, um, I love this part of my role, is, as, as you just say, and Flight Center uh, really embraces um, all of um, the young people. You know, we obviously have the fast track program. There is a graduate program. Um, and as a senior leader, I was only too happy to put my hand up to be uh, one of the, the mentors. Um, you know, apart from being old, older, you know, and learning the lessons of life, um, you know, I think my lessons of life have definitely enabled me to, uh, to appreciate 
um, everybody is on their own personal journey. You know, I'm a gay man, started my cookies, um, spent many years hiding who I was. And the lesson, you know, that, that, that I learned was the moment I was honest with myself um, was the, the time that I um, let so much go, anxiety and anything else. Um, you know, I'm also dyslexic. Um, in my, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm dyslexic. Wow. And that, that taught me that you can't be good at everything. You know, you can't be good at everything. So don't try. Um, you know, these kind of life lessons, we all have our demons, we all have our anxiety moments. Um, but, you know, in how I then now view people with my own experiences that everybody has a talent, everybody can be an individual, everybody has a career path, you know, and, and sometimes they just need a helping hand. And I love being that um, um, that helping hand and, and yeah. being the, the next generation. You know, I've, I've loved um, some of the, the mentors that I, that I have, seeing their careers grow, seeing people, even in three and a half years, moving up the, the, the ladder um, because of some of the, the work that we've done together, you know, yeah. mentor and mentee. Uh, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, I love everything you just said. You know, you gave me goosebumps there for a minute and you talk, you're so authentic and you're so vulnerable. And I talk about that a lot in general for others that are, that listen to a lot of my series is just that being yourself and being true to you. And like, you, as you said, you were hidden as who you were for a long time. And obviously I can't relate to that, but just certain stories are putting them out there. It's kind of like, this is me. And um, I think when you're real and you're authentic and you're sincere, people follow more of that as their senior leaders because they know they can trust them or they know they can be vulnerable in return. So thinking about being in a senior leadership position, you know, making it to that top, that seat in the room that has decision-making influence. And what would you say to maybe some of our people that are thinking like, I'm intimidated to look for someone to be a mentor. I'm intimidated to ask for that advice, or I just don't know how to begin the conversation because not everyone is ready to be themselves or authentic or vulnerable yet. What advice could you give? Look, you know, I've, um, you know, not everybody um, is ready to um, be a mentor and not everybody is ready to be men mentored. You know, it's, it's again, I think, People should find it in themselves um, to realize um, who they are, um, to not be afraid to open up their mouth and ask for help, um, not to think that everything that comes out, you know, that people expect everybody to do, uh, do brilliant things and be good at everything. And, and ultimately, you know, um, is, is to, to open their mouth and shine. And in Flight Center, you have that opportunity. You're not judged. You're not held against um, uh, any barriers because sex, race, or um, you know any any of those kind of barriers don't exist. Um, you know, and that that is why I feel so at home in this organization. Um, and and I hope people do because if people are aren't feeling that, then it, you know I I'd be right on it. I would. People can uh, should again pick up the phone or email me and let me know because I certainly would push that 
a hundred percent. It's who we are. You, you know, you touch on flight center there too. And I think that's part of it for a lot of us. You know, I was always feel, felt really fortunate that I found this home for me or my career here really, really young. I had had one really tough job out of college selling telecommunications door to door. So if anybody wants to think about a shitty, horrible sales job, I did it. Um, and then I found this space where I could be myself and I could be comfortable. And if I swore it wasn't going to be regarded as, you know, terrible, but I could get to know clients and focus on them. And I found this, this, this place where I could be culturally aligned. And I do think a lot of the people that are going to listen to this, that they can absolutely resonate with that. So thinking about just flight center in general, so beyond just that culture, beyond feeling at home here, what are, or who are some of the people that have kind of inspired you or it's, it's interesting how much you've stayed attuned with your skill set as a marketeer and even continue to level up. And I imagine that does take being inspired. So what stories or people or advice could you share around just some of the people you're surrounded by? Um, So uh, my, uh, let's say, direct team um, is Chris's team, Chris Galanti, uh, the CEO of corporate. Um, On that team um, is Charlene. You know, a lot of your listeners will know Charlene. Steve Norris. We got Jomo. Um, these are, um, let's say, my is my team. Um, so let alone the individuals in my team that I see um, that really inspire me every day. Um, yeah, you've got a great team. From, from a people point of view. You know, it is um, from a, a peer, kind of peer-to-peer point of view. You know, each one of those teams I'm inspired by, you know, Charlene's people skills, how she comes across, how she manages that is just inspirational. You know, Chris, how he personally inspires me when you talk to him, you know him very well. So he's actually, he's doing the next one. So oh, is he doing I'm, the next one? Okay. Yeah, so I'm like super excited for people to kind of get yeah. to pick him, his mind. He's quite brilliant. So I'm looking forward for them to getting to know him a little bit better. Yeah. And, and, you know, Chris is now my boss, but in, in the past, it was Steve Norris, that was my boss, best boss I've ever had. And yeah. Chris, just for the record, you're still not quite there. So <laughs> love Steve Norris. You know, so as a peer group, um, each one has a different skill set, but are all equally in, in, in inspirational to work with. Um, and then on, uh, you know, to work with a young team, seeing the young talent coming through, um, being able to recruit talent um, from outside and be, having to bring that talent into the culture and seeing them thrive. Um, I, I love, you know, intelligence. Um, you know, I'm often outclassed on intelligence. So, you know, I, I wouldn't want to, to, I to know about that. comment on that. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to comment on that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Love the good. Yeah, it really is. You know, I've, similar to you, just been so fortunate. I've, who I've been surrounded by. I mean, I'll be honest, in my early years, I definitely had some questionable leaders and <laughs> teams. And But for the last long stretch, it's been just phenomenal. What well, are you? Had but, Darlene, so. I've had just, I mean, I lucked out. I hit, I, you know, I hit the lotto quick with her, but, um, you know, early, early leaders that are no longer here and haven't been are, are the ones I'd probably make a couple of mm-hmm. jokes about. But as far as thinking about, you know, some listeners, there's so many people that ended up listening to this. It's really been um, a very fun thing for me to do because I've had this great, like fortune of being surrounded by people like you and Charlene and, um, Chris and, you know, 
Tom and, and everyone, right, that are going to do this series and beyond that have taught me so much that being able to bring that is w- what I've loved doing about this podcast. But thinking about some of the listeners, because they're all over and they're maybe coming up, maybe they don't have the best leader or they haven't had that experience, or maybe they don't even work for our company. What advice could you give about maybe weathering that storm? I imagine at some point over your career, you weren't as thrilled as today to weather that, to get through the other side of it, or maybe even challenge their leader to be better, or, or how have you dealt with that in your career? You know, I mean, we've all worked with people that we probably prefer not to, if I can be honest, you know, and there will always be a better boss um, or a, uh, you know, a boss that wasn't as good as the last boss. Um, but, you know, there each individual has good talents and good skill sets and good parts. It's to focus on those. Um, realize that, like yourself, you're not good at everything and make the most of the, the time that you've got and then wait until the next opportunity arises and grab it. Um, and, and, you know, it's like an opportunity is also like an interview. You know, you're interviewing your next boss. Yeah. It's important as they interviewing you. You know, there has to be a fit between the, the, the individual and, and, and that next chapter. So I, I think, what, you know, uh, accept people who they are, work within it and make the most of it and grab the next opportunity when it arises. Yeah. So I guess just kind of going into just some of the final questions here. So I think you covered so many phenomenal topics. So you talked to us a little bit about how you've accommodated into the culture and being in senior leadership, learning from people around you, marketing and how you've approached it, your career and, and so much more. Is there anything we didn't really touch on that you wanted to make? make sure that for those who may not know you as well, that they would get to know about you personally or about your career or about the company? Just anything else you'd want to share with the audience? Well, um, I don't know. I guess, um, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, you never stop learning. Um, I think that's a, a, a key. It's a key, but it's an important key, I think. You know, it's come up on almost all of these. And I really do believe sometimes people, when they're an expert in their field, think they know it all. But we live in such a modern world and there's so much stimuli around us that it really is important to keep expanding your mind. So I think it's an, it is an important nugget. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, you know, I mean, during this, um, the lockdown and everything else, you know, one of the things that I've, um, I've done is um, much more exercise. So replacing my early morning commute by, um, by running. And we're still allowed to go running. Some countries are not, but in the UK, you can still go, go for a run. And, um, you know, one of the things that um, I'm not a, a great reader, dyslexic, but audiobooks is, uh, is key. So, you know, there are a lot of decisions that need to be made. So I spend a lot of time trying to pick out a, um, a report or a, you know, some form of reading from, from Harvard Business School or from a, a case study um, on audio. Um, and then while I'm running is doing that pre-education bit, you know, to, to answer, because we're all going through crisis management, you know, at, yeah. the, at this moment in time. So why wouldn't you? And so decide what works for you would be my, my big thing, you know, whether that's LinkedIn learning or traditional courses, or in my case, it's audio book, but takes, make sure that you try and learn something every day and never be too old to learn. I think that would be my, uh, 
my big advice. Yeah, that's great advice. And it gives people something to do in this chaos. I think for a lot of us, we've not really been in a scenario where we didn't have really control, like whether you're in sales or marketing or running a large business or um, any any role, operations. You're, we're used to having more control. This is unprecedented circumstances. And unfortunately, some people are kind of crumbling under the weight of that, whereas other people are becoming extremely strategic and saying, what else could I learn? What else could I do that I do different? How am I going to challenge my mind? How am I going to challenge my body? And it's that inspiration that I think everybody needs to like, make sure you do that. So I think that that's really good advice just about dedicate yourself to something and learn something new every day and don't allow yourself to kind of crumble under the weight of the reality that we're all going through. Yeah. We've, we've had to make some you know, I mean, you and your business, me and my business, we've had to make some huge changes, priorities, um, you know, uh, during this time. Uh, and that, that takes leadership. Um, it does take um, some nerve, but, you know, it's about, at the end of the day, protecting as many uh, people as we can, our staff, the people that we love. Um, also, you know, to ensure that we come out on the other side. Yeah, it's all been very hum- humbling and, you know, you hope that there are the silver lining in it all is, you know, you make the moves we have to move so that we will get out the other side. But then when we do and we're better and we're more connected and we're more customer centric and we're more appreciative of what we had in the past and what we will have in our future, that we will hopefully look back on this time and say all that great learning and work and strategy we did, did allow us to do X or made us able to do why. And and I believe that because of people like you and and the others that we're surrounded by from the top all the way through to our newest person that really have done the right things for our business. Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate you doing this so much. I know how busy you are. I know how many Zoom calls you do a day. I'm on many of them with you and I know you do a million more in between that. So you taking your Friday evening to do this with me means a lot to me. So I really, really appreciate it. But the last question I'm asking to everyone is just around the best advice you've ever received. So the best business advice you've ever received, that little bit you take with you and everything you do, what is that for you that you'd like to leave with our people? Okay. So you actually sent that question over. So I had time to think about it. And I know it's a biggie. So it's one I it's want people biggie. to think about. You know, it's, it's a biggie. And it's an important one. So, you know, the best advice I ever came was actually, um, was a time when, I was young, I was headstrong, and there were moments um, that um, that got me into trouble, you know, and it got me into trouble because I would say what was on my mind um, to whoever was standing in front of me, uh, irrelevant of seniority um, or stature. One of those uh, occasions that I refer to as Black Wednesday, um, I lost my rag in, um, over something very legitimate, um, but anyway, I said some things that maybe I regretted. Um, that ended up that me being on a plane over to um, the headquarters in Germany, oh, uh, in front of my CEO at the time, and uh, him. Uh, actually, I'll never forget it. Uh, he threw me the keys of uh, his sports car that he had, and we went for a long drive. And uh, uh, during that drive, he gave me the best advice that I ever get, gave, and it's really simple. Um, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So never be yes. frightened what's on your mind, but always 
Be very careful how you say it. I absolutely love that advice because sometimes the simplest lessons are the best lessons, right? That's I always say that in this in the in all of my podcasts, but it's just that you remember. But I have that same problem that you do. I think you know a lot of the people who will escalate through their career paths are people who are they may be feeling really right about their point in that moment, but it's how you deliver the message. It's not, it's allowing yourself to show that care and composure and how you articulate your message that will be what's remembered. I think that's phenomenal advice to leave with everybody today. Good, I'm pleased. Brilliant. Before I go today though, I hope I can ask everyone for a favor. If you've enjoyed the series of guest speakers especially, one of the first things that people look at when you're asking them to come on your podcast is what your rating is. They want to make sure you have a high score, that people are saying positive things, and that it's something that they or their brand want to be associated toward. I would absolutely love if you could help me expand this podcast further and quicker in its reach so that I can do more of these great lessons for you all and do that by giving a rating and subscribing. Really, really appreciate it. London calling to the faraway towns. Now war is declared and battle come down. London calling to the underworld. Come out of the cupboard, you boys and girls.